Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Strong AF X Well Conditioned Show with your host, Jason Brown, where each week Jason teaches you how to get yourself and your clients brutally strong and, of course, well conditioned. Welcome back to another edition of Strong AF and Well Conditioned. I am your host, Jason Brown. Don't want to make this sound like this is my 100th episode. It certainly isn't. This is only our second episode of this podcast. But today, I want to get into a topic that I hold near and dear to my heart, and that is using conditioning to improve strength. Some of you might be thinking, aren't those two not related? Aren't they two separate things? In some contexts, they could be. But in the context that I'm going to use and I'm going to talk about today, they're very much related and the two are synonymous. So so you can't have one without the other. And that's how I have come to view this at this point in my career. Now, I have seen over the years, coaches that specialize in strength and performance. I have seen coaches that specialize in conditioning, but I haven't seen as many that specialize in both. And I feel that a lot of them just simply conditioning is an afterthought. You see, you buy programs online and I bought plenty of programs online and there's no conditioning. You're kind of just left to figure it out on your own or just not do any conditioning. And what happens is, is that there is just this massive area of low hanging fruit where people are just just neglecting conditioning and just focusing on their strength and hypertrophy work. And what they don't realize is that we can strategically use conditioning to improve our fitness, to improve our strength, to improve our body composition, to improve recovery. And I don't think there's anyone that will argue that recovery isn't the biggest piece of the puzzle. So before we get into all that, I want to tell you a quick story. Back in 2015, 2016, we as a team, uh, we being my CrossFit gym, we're trying to make the CrossFit open. We've come close the last few years. We've been within, I think we were actually within one spot two years in a row. And for me, I started thinking, well, you know, what are we lacking? Why are we not making it? What is the missing piece of the puzzle? And there was another gym locally that did very well in the open. They made regionals a few times. They didn't do particularly well past regionals because there were other things that came into play like their ability to move heavier loads. But that's another discussion for another day. But their aerobic system was great. They would do very well in the CrossFit Open, which is largely a test of aerobic performance. Now, for me, we always struggled in this area. And I would, I think, like a lot of coaches, blame themselves. If I'm writing the programming and my uh, athletes are not getting better aerobically, then I'm dropping the ball. I'm doing them a disservice. So I started looking into the reasons why. Why are we not getting there? Why are we missing the boat on on specific things, more endurance related events. And I started talking with the coach of that gym that did very well in the open every year. And he turned me on to Joel Jameson, told me, you got to read ultimate MMA conditioning, yada, yada, yada. He started throwing out some terms, some methods that are in there. And I, I didn't know anything that he was talking about. It was went way over my head, you know, doing any aerobic work for me, was just going for an easy jog. And, you know, I might've been right in some context, but there was obviously a lot more to it than that. So within a year's time was when I made the switch to going completely remote. So I didn't get the chance to actually test it on my gym, but I started going back to the drawing board with myself, which for me has always been the first place to start. That's how I learned how to write training programs was doing it on myself first and for for years doing that. So fast forward, 2018. CrossFit Open comes. I actually didn't own a gym. So, you know, obviously I wasn't committed to do the Open at any gym. And I had actually planned to not do it. The previous year I did it kind of on a whim, didn't do particularly well and, you know, nothing to write home about. But now I had another year under my belt of experimenting with the things that I was learning through Joel's book. And needless to say, the experience was quite different this time around. 
And a few things I noticed was that I could do these workouts now and not be dead on the ground. I left these workouts feeling like I always had more in the tank. And I also felt like these workouts didn't handicap me for, for days to come. I could recover very quickly from these workouts. And, you know, one of the things that is really interesting about this time period of my life was that we had just had our second child and she was a tough baby to say the least. Okay. She didn't sleep well. And, you know, most babies don't sleep well, but she was, she was harder on a lot of different ends, which for those of you that are parents probably know what I'm talking about. So it wasn't really an optimal time to do the open and, and expect to do well. So I just kind of went into it with an open mind, knowing that I wasn't going to push myself particularly hard. I was going to do the best I could do. I only did the workouts one time. I did them every Friday without fail. Every Friday I did the workout and that was it. I didn't retest it. None of that. But I, I left these workouts feeling better than I had ever felt. And needless to say, I did the best I've ever done in the open, which includes years I was training, you know, 10, 11, 12 times a week versus training four strength sessions a week, two conditioning sessions a week, two conditioning ses sessions that is dedicated to the aerobic system. So to me, this was a huge eye opener. And it was the thing for me that I knew would always be a part of my program. If I could do better in endurance related things, if I could recover better, I was still getting stronger, which was interesting. Another interesting aspect to what was happening. I was still hitting PRs. I hit a lifetime PR on my power clean. I hit a lifetime PR on my jerk, which weren't lifts that I was training either, which is an, another kind of interesting part of this. But, you know, with, with the conjugate system, that's not irregular. That happens all the time, actually, which certainly we could get into on another day. But needless to say, it was an eye opener for me. So I started to think about this a little bit more deeply. I started to read some old texts. And, you know, as I actually, when I went to graduate school and I started really kind of understanding more about metabolism, it, it started to make more sense, the connections that exist between the aerobic system and the anaerobic systems. So there's a connection there that there is a place where we are going to restore ATP and creatine phosphate aerobically. So it's not just all about anaerobic metabolism. There is an aerobic component to it. And if we can improve uh, our ability, our aerobic function, then we can replace higher energy phosphates faster. So this was, a, a again, kind of a thing to me that was going a little bit deeper, but understanding that the connections do exist was how I could make this as simple as I could possibly make it without going down the science rabbit hole. So that was obviously an important aspect of what was happening. The other thing that was more important, I think, would probably the most important is the ability to recover. And at the time I was tracking my heart rate variability and, you know, tracking my resting heart rate. And these are things that I, you know, had not been tracking in the past and wasn't necessarily privy to that started to improve slowly, but they started to improve over that year's time leading up to that open. That's when I started to see my biggest improvements. And again, you know, having young kids, it's not going to be optimal for your sleep patterns, but to still make improvements in those areas without having to, you know, necessarily, I didn't have the ability to necessarily sleep more was again, another interesting aspect to this. So to kind of go a little bit deeper into what I was doing, I was still running a traditional conjugate split. I was doing a max effort, two max effort sessions and two dynamic effort. And at this time I was actually doing more max effort at the present day. I do a lot less max effort than I used to do as opposed to, you know, back 2018. But the two primary aerobic methods I was using was on my recovery day, which was on Thursday, I was using the cardiac output method, which was usually about 30 to 40 minutes of steady state work, I'd usually rotate between, you know, a bike, a rower, even a light sled pull, 
and I was doing this at a local gym. This was before we had uh, moved into my house and you know I, where I had a garage set up. So I had the ability to use a skier, to use a rower, to use an air bike, and to just kind of work through all three of those pieces within 30 to 40 minutes. So it made it pretty simple. The gym actually also had indoor turf, which was another nice thing to have. I could push the sled lightly and, and you know not keep my heart rate in the right range, which for most people is going to be in the 60 to 70% of max heart rate. And you know, that's where you're going to get the biggest bang for the buck. Now, a lot of times people will use the cardiac output method and they'll go too hard. And what happens is if you go too hard is that the heart is contracting too frequently to have the stretching effect that we're looking for, the stretching of cardiac tissue, which happens in the left ventricle of the heart. And this is really kind of you make or break. If you're going too hard or using the wrong modalities or the wrong movement patterns, then your heart rate is going to get too high. And this, so, uh, this is kind of another thing that I started to realize back in my days when I was training for the CrossFit Open, we were using global patterns on a day-to-day basis. Not only are they demanding on the nervous system, but your heart rate is going to spike high very fast. So my heart rate was never in a low range. I never did any steady state conversational style work. So I was missing the boat on that completely. It just wasn't even a part of my training, right? If you weren't going hard, you weren't training. And cardiac output method is a method that most people do and they think it's not doing anything because it's not hard. But the biggest changes happen when you keep this work in the correct range. So you can read any number of my articles on my site that go into detail about what it is, how to do it, how to program it. But generally speaking, we're looking at using some type of cyclical measures. So row, bike, an easy jog. If you're a decent jogger, you can do use a light sled pull. You can even do swimming if you are a good swimmer and can keep your heart rate in, in low enough and not go too high. And I've even experimented with doing a lot of body weight stuff and even some light kettlebell work and having it play out pretty well. So that was really kind of a big piece of the puzzle. The other piece of the puzzle was doing a higher intensity aerobic session on my other conditioning day. And usually this was either going to be one of two things. It was either going to be strongman style endurance where for me, it was some type of hot object carry or a sled push or sled pull with a heavier load where we're essentially working for anywhere from 90 seconds to two minutes at a time and then resting about one to one or a mixed modality style conditioning piece, which would resemble CrossFit a little bit more without the high skill. I wouldn't program any high skill gymnastics or any Olympic lifts or anything like that. So it was a little bit more user-friendly style of mixed modality work. And these are the two primary conditioning sessions I would utilize. Now, of course, you can utilize other things, some more anaerobic work on your, at the end of your strength days, if you wanted to. For me as an individual, that's not something that I need a ton of. It's fun from time to time, but I don't need a ton of that. But, you know, I I can use it with clients. They do find it to be engaging. So there is some options there, but the purpose of what I want to talk about today is more so along the lines of using conditioning to improve strength. So I mentioned that recovery is really arguably one of the bigger aspects of what we're looking at. And using this style of work, we can directly facilitate the recovery process. And getting a little bit deeper, if we can make some improvements to things like our resting heart rate, it will improve our ability to handle stress. It will improve our ability to recover between training sessions. I'm not talking just stress in the gym. I'm talking about stress that happens outside of the gym as well. Your body doesn't know the difference between stress in the gym and outside of the gym. So if we're not being mindful of the things that are happening 24 hours a day, then there is definitely an area of, you know, a missed opportunity there. So th- this is something that we pay attention to. We pay attention to our resting heart rate, looking at, at what it is first thing in the morning. And if we can make some small improvements there, 
we can usually see it carry over in a pretty quick length of time. I'm not talking, you know, six months. We're talking within a month's time. If someone's resting heart rate comes down from, say, 70 to 68, we can usually see an improvement there of how they feel and how quickly they can recover between sessions. Now, I have worked with some guys that are very, very stressed out, have high stress jobs, and the resting heart rate is not what it should be. Uh, one guy in particular had a resting heart rate in the 80s, uh, pretty consistently in the 80s. And my goal with him was to drive that down. Okay, that didn't really make sense to subject him to any high intensity training. So we kept his strength work very low demand, very low demand on the nervous system. We weren't doing any max effort or any dynamic effort. This was really more of a full body approach where we were essentially doing two aerobic days and two strength days. And, and I use strength in air quotes because you know it was more single joint work and again, low CNS style training to again, help bring down, reduce some stress levels, help improve his aerobic system and have that carry over to other elements of his life, like improving the way he looks in a bathing suit. That's part of it too, but we can't do that until we build the foundation. So long story short, when we think about strength and conditioning, the two, in my opinion, should be joined relatively close together. You shouldn't be buying a conditioning program that has just conditioning or a strength program that has just strength. They should have two, the two should communicate. And that's often what I see is that there is this disconnect you buy a program for strength or you buy a program for conditioning. And then people try to layer programs, which presents another kind of long list of issues, potential issues. When we can effectively marry these two types of training together in a seamless way, not only can you improve recovery on a consistent basis, but you can also see other areas of your performance improve, like your strength, like your body composition. So kind of today, my goal with this is, is to know that your goals should be very much in line with your recovery. And if your recovery isn't great and you're, you're too stressed out or your, your job is too stressful and you're just adding in high intensity to try to make up, you're gonna eventually go backwards. If you're not already going backwards, you will eventually go backwards. So instead, what I would urge you to do is start looking at some of your vital metrics like your resting heart rate first thing in the morning. How high is it? How low is it? I mean, you might have a really low resting heart rate and be in a position where you can handle the intensity, high intensity work. But I, what I find kind of generally speaking is that most people are not in a position to handle more intensity. What we need really at the end of the day for most people is a balance between when we stress people out in the gym, when we implement aerobic measures and keeping that consistent process where we're always getting data points, whether it be, you know, how our performance has improved or hasn't improved or is our rest, resting heart rate improving or is it getting worse? So these are things that we need to be looking at as practitioners to make sure that our clients are constantly going in the right direction. And sometimes the best remedy is removing things from their program and adding lower intensity things. Cardiac output style training can be done multiple times a week. Now, you will likely have a lot of people that don't wanna do it more than once a week. I am one of them, but there are other strategic measures that you can do to improve the aerobic system. But I will say that cardiac output certainly should be one of them and should be a mainstay in every single program. Now, do you need to go for a 30 minute run? No, but what I would recommend is that you mix it up as much as you can. So if you have access to a commercial gym, find a few pieces that you like, a Stairmaster, uh, maybe it's a walking on an inclined treadmill, maybe it's the rower. If you have back issues, wouldn't recommend the rower, but maybe it, it is the rower and you don't have back issues or it's an air bike. Spend five to 10 minutes per piece and make it interesting. You don't have to stay on one thing like a hamster in a wheel for 30 minutes straight. So I hope all of that makes sense, guys. I think that my, again, my only 
thing I would want to end with here is that we are in the business of helping people get closer to their goals. We can't do that without recovery. We can't do that without having the necessary things in place first. And that is a resting heart rate that supports doing different types of training. So if your client is chronically stressed out or you're chronically stressed out, then it might be time to remove some of the intensity and implement some lower intensity measures like cardiac output style training and see how you feel, you know, monitor how you feel within four weeks time. And I think you'd be pretty surprised to see that you'll likely get a lot better results. You'll likely start seeing things improve as far as even, uh, you know, your body composition is concerned. Once you start downregulating the stress response and getting yourself or your clients into a better position. So that's it for today, guys. This is a topic that we will certainly come back to and we will likely go down the rabbit hole as far as the science and physiology is concerned a little bit more on this in the future. But again, the main thing here is to understand that these modalities, strength and conditioning are not separate things. They need to be intertwined. And when they are intertwined in a strategic way, that's when we can really reap the benefits. So thank you guys so much for tuning in today. If you would like to learn more about conditioning, you can check out my article, How to Build Conditioning for All Three Energy Systems. You can also check out my best conjugate plan article, which talks about using the conjugate system in conjunction with aerobic measures to essentially have the best bang for the buck of both areas. This was another episode of Strong AF X Well Conditioned Show. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes. And be sure to subscribe on all podcast platforms. 